Hello and welcome to Secondhand Film Critics, your favorite source for mildly pretentious, semi-uneducated, and highly unqualified opinions on movies. I'm Noah, and as always, I am joined virtually by... Kayla? <laughs> I like how I just specified virtually just for fun, but even though it's always been virtually, but I just wanted to like, yeah. I don't know, mix up the intro, and that's the first thing I thought of, was to make, give a little background context to the listener great yeah you're welcome so we have a guest today we do we which do. um oh we had one last episode so i guess we're on a trend now then of having guests because yeah because we, we we there was a while when we didn't have any but now we're on an upward swing yes until yeah. we don't have guests for a while well Okay, we don't need to give too big of a peek behind the curtain, but yeah, well, but we do have a guest today, um, returning, be- the last one I think you were on was a very similar episode, right? Yes. Like the, yes. the October, well, we went over October movies. Um, this is kind of a similar idea where we're going through October and November movies, I guess. But Caroline is joining us again to talk about some of the biggest releases in film history <laughs> of the, of the year um do you want to give any introduction or do you just want to like keep a mysterious aura around your presence maybe for the uh, listener? i don't know you know i i'm a friend of kayla's from undergrad uh you know i love film yeah here we are i don't i don't know if there's really we made it um we're here steven spielberg Ha- has done it again exactly just along for the ride the movies are back baby <laughs> they're back <laughs> took a while took a while i feel like they moved like they have some october releases but a lot of november ones this year which is not usually it's more october loaded but a lot mm. of november this year so yeah. it took a while a little while longer but i feel like we're in a good place now with move new movies yeah mm-hmm. i would say so but before we get yeah, into before. new movies. We have to answer, read some of the answers from last week's question of the week. Yes. Um, which was, what is your favorite almost Christmas movie? Since we talked about m- almost Christmas movies. So movies that are Christmas-y, but not about Christmas itself. Or not a Christmas movie, but close. And we got some good answers here. I'll start with Gabe's because Gabe said Gremlins. He said, my family doesn't think it's a Christmas movie. Plus, it was released in June. Now, we did bring up Gremlins in the episode. And we determined that Gremlins is, in fact, a Christmas movie. Yeah, that if we it's... Did. It would have to be so so christmas adjacent if it's not a christmas movie because we we determined that it based on all the things we we determine makes something sets it apart as a christmas movie or not christmas movie gremlins hit enough of the markers yeah that it it has to be a christmas movie so Mm -hmm. I, i disagree with gabe here but well, I agree with Gabe that it's a good Christmas movie, but I disagree calling it an almost Christmas movie. Yes. Yeah. 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 Let's see. Mike said Eyes Wide Shut or Gremlins again. I, we did not hit on Eyes Wide Shut. When he gave this answer, I was like, man, that was a great 
call. I was wondering if someone would bring that one up. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't talk about that one. I haven't seen well, that. Well, Christmas so. and orgies just go so well together. Right, that I think, the season. Like, yeah. It's just a real... That was That's one of the markers we didn't discuss in the last episode for like to be considered a Christmas movie. If it includes an orgy, then it's a Christmas movie. Just flat out. So, exactly. Great, great job there bringing that one up to our attention. Um, Andy, I have not heard of this movie called Love and Peace. At first, I thought it was the Love and Mercy, like the Beach Boys movie, but it's definitely not that. <laughs> I have not heard of Love and Peace. Love and Peace, directed by Sion Sono. Yeah, 2015 from Japan. Life is turned upside down for our main character when a turtle is flushed down a toilet. Hmm. Hey, when that okay, happens. that is d- definitely not what the letterboxed um description says. <laughs> maybe but... maybe we're looking. Well, that's the one that I yeah, mean. Yeah, but here's the letterbox. What's, yeah, what's letterbox a man who it? once yeah. dreamed of becoming a punk rocker is working as a low salary man at a musical instrument parts company. He's secretly in love with his colleague. One day, he finds a little turtle on the rooftop, naming it Picadon. Picadon is that? Was this Pokemon inspired? Is my main question. This sounds like something all three of us would like. Is hey, okay. I'm here for it. Quick question though: Is that the same director who did Solo? Oh, damn. because if that's the case, I don't know if I would like it. Not to it's... not to pigeonhole this director. No, oh no no no! Okay, it's the director who did Prisoners of the Ghost Land. Okay. Solo is my other favorite, not almost Christmas movie. I would <laughs> right, say. it does have orgies, so yeah, there you go. It does, yes, nailed it. I'll yeah. add it to my watch list. Thank you. Um, yeah, I think that that was a that was a deep cut from Andy there. You know, Andy's always, always us. got the deep cuts for he us. He does have the deep cuts. We appreciate of it. Of independent cinema. Connoisseur um, let's see. of deep cuts. Um, Laura said, "Girl with the Dragon Tattoo," mm. uh, David okay. Fincher version. Uh, okay. That's a good point. I didn't think about that movie, but I think there's enough like hmm. wintry-ish scenes in it. That... I feel like David Fincher movies kind of f- always feel a little bit Christmassy too. Maybe I the, color grading, the color sometimes. grading sometimes. Yeah, the aesthetic of them. Yeah, I could see yeah, that. Yeah, I think. Um, I definitely don't think it yet. It's a good almost Christmas movie because it definitely doesn't give off the the good tidings of the <laughs> holidays. But you know there is snow, so. You do with that what you will, I guess. And then Dan said he gave two. He gave um in Brudges as one option, um which that director and every and actors are all in the media right now for another movie they did. So timely, uh, and also The Empire Strikes Back. And I think Empire Strikes Back is a good one. Um, I there that's the Hoth one, right? Yeah. In the beginning. Yeah. yeah okay. He perfect, said that perfect. Star Wars just feels like Christmas to me. Yeah. See, I'm surprised he didn't say like Dune or something and was like, Dune is my Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> this, all the sand is my snow. Yeah, exactly. Timothy um, Chalamet is my guy. Timothy Chalamet is Santa Claus. <laughs> um, I think the it, Star Wars did feel like Christmas until I went to see Rise of Skywalker uh, around the holidays. Yeah. And, you know, it, that... It really killed all the Chris, all the Star Wars Christmas spirit out of me. Yeah. So, I I'm more like I like the non-Christmas adjacent ones now for Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I'll say. I'm surprised nobody said the Star Wars holiday special, the Christmas oh, of special. Course. Have you seen that? 
I have. Not. I haven't. I've I, seen. I have I've seen not. clips of it. I haven't I've been able to chase down the whole thing. Stories about it. So. Yeah. My friends have watched it, um, and they said don't watch it. So <laughs> maybe we. But maybe you know, it's one of those things where you kind of have to. It's like the train wreck. You got to see it for yourself. Right. You can't stop looking. But that is like the only. Well, no, they, didn't they do a Lego Star Wars holiday special last year? Was that last year? Oh, that's year? right. They did. That yeah. was cute. Last year. That was, was fun. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. It, it it they did the best with what they had is what I yeah, usually I think what Lego I feel like works. most of those Lego Star Wars specials feel like like they did the best with what they were given. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Thank you for everyone that answered that. Yeah. I mean, and I think we we gave a lot of ones in our episode too. So mm-hmm. anyone looking for, even though it is more the season now, maybe if you're looking to not go too far into the Christmas rabbit hole, you can use these ones to ease your way in. And then in we are talking about new new movies in this episode, but we are not going to be talking about any of the new holiday movies. So you can come back in like two weeks, and then we'll be discussing more real like get get in into the Christmas spirit movies where there's decking the halls and Rudolph and all of the other good stuff. Rudolph Rudolph hasn't made an appearance. I feel like in many in a, in a lot of movies, but. Yes, reviewing 2022 Christmas holiday movies. Yeah, the first movie in three years without a Princess Switch movie. I don't know what we're going to do, but we oh, all have no. to get through it, I guess. <laughs> Rip. <laughs> I like on Netflix, I saw today like one of the covers for the Princess Switch switched again. Because it's called, that's all it's called is the Princess Switch switched again. But they like superimposed like a part two title on the screen as well. Just in case you weren't aware that it is the second part of the Princess Switch. So I'm glad that they're really, really pushing those movies on Netflix still. Yeah, they're great. Yeah. Well, (laughs) yeah, let's go to an ad break then. And when we come back, we will be talking about movies that aren't in the Princess Switch trilogy. So unfortunately. <sighs> we are here to go through this list of films, most of which are are good. I'll say this. I don't think we'll have too many negative thoughts. I don't know how Kayla feels about some of the ones that she added here, so I can't speak for those ones. But I feel like the the one we did last year was had highs and lows in our reviews. But I feel like this year, a lot of the ones I was looking forward to have they 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 at least hit the mark. You know, maybe they didn't exceed expectations but they a lot of them have been very like enjoyable at least so i'm excited to get through these i've broken them into different categories which is the first one is just randoms which is not really a category it's like a cop-out because i can't like it's a cop-out when you don't want to make a category so just all the random ones i didn't want to make a category for and then ones that i think are more specific that will be talked about maybe in oscar season going forward and then finally, the third category is just titled the big one. And we are not going to reveal which one that is unless everyone, unless you're a listener of this podcast and you probably know that it's not like she said, because we haven't talked about the movie ever. So that's not going to be the one we're talking about in that, but it will be an exciting one. And we want to kind of build the suspense towards what that one's going to be. So it will be an exciting journey for us all. 
Great. Very excited. Which one? Well, we'll start with the randoms. Which one do we want to start with here? We can pick and choose. I don't know what we want to touch on first. I would really love to know what you thought of the menu. Um, mm. I have not seen it. For whatever reason, the trailers didn't really sell me, but I've heard it's good. Mm. I literally have not even ever seen a trailer for this movie. Really? I, I think I've seen a trailer. I never really watched them because... I don't know. Like, I think maybe that might have been for me, too. Like, I don't remember the trailer, so they must not have been that interesting. And I didn't really know what it was about going into it um, or really the tone, which I feel like for a lot of these movies, as we'll see, like, maybe it's because I've been really busy the last few months. But, like, I knew knew very little about a lot of these movies going in, which I think was a lot more fun. It's a, it's always more fun than, like, when I've seen all the trailers and I've been, like, reading everything up to release. Like, the menu, I had really not much clue what it was going in as except for the fact that it had a bunch of big stars in it. Like I knew what the cast was. Um, and I thought it was really good. It's um, interest. Three of these movies that we're talking about today are like social satire of like rich, um, like rich people. Like that's what the whole movie is. So it's funny that like we have three that are touching on the same theme. This one is definitely like the most dark comedy of the three um it's some people have said horror i don't think it's like a horror movie unless you don't watch horror movies like that's one of those like it's more of like a thriller dark comedy and i thought it was really funny it's very broad like it's not like um a lot of the characters you would think are real people but they kind of like are representative of a certain type of person um which i think if you're going into it and you don't like something like that that is something you might not like about it you kind of have to like accept that it's not the most grounded story that you're ever going to see. And it is just an enter just entertainment and it's trying to say something, but it's also not trying to like act like it's um, a real thing that's happening in the world. Like it's very, it's very um, played up and a bit um, like a heightened reality, I guess. And it's re I think it's really funny though. It's a great sense of build towards that it gets what towards the part the point where it shifts and it gets more into a thriller so it has like a really nice build i think to that point and once it hits that scene then it the movie really turns and it turns a lot more into like a thriller like sort of um trapped in the house kind of thing where all these people are trapped in the same place and i don't want to like say too much about it because i think it really the best part of it is the experience of seeing what's going to happen next because it really does kind of keep elevating um and i really like how it delegates the parts though because it's supposed to be like a fine dining like they're on this fine dining experience right. and each little section is de relegate delegated as like a certain course so like there's like course one and they'll say what they're having for that course and they shoot it like it's like a food show so it looks really cool too like they'll show the dish and everything oh, and it's okay. an interesting um that's an interesting framing device i guess like to frame it as it's the menu so like each dish is like its own little thing yeah um and each one kind of progresses as the story goes i would definitely recommend it and i'm excited to see that it's getting pretty good uh re reviews and also just box office success cuz i didn't think that this would do very well but yeah the box office is so unpredictable now. So I guess this is what's selling is <laughs> Ray Fiennes led um, dark comedies. I think it's really Anya Taylor-Joy. They really are pushing her in the marketing. So I feel like 
she's turning into like someone that who is really a big draw for a lot of people. Which would is you cool say? Would you say she's a list at this point? Mm. I feel like she's in a lot, but I don't know if I would say she's a list. I just don't know. Has she been in some besides Queen's Gambit, which is the show? Mm-hmm. I just I feel like she hasn't been a lead in something yet. Like uh, the main last night she, in Soho. She and then she was. Would she? I feel like was that was she the lead or was Thomas and Mackenzie the lead? That's what I just mm-hmm. don't know. Like that's true because she did she did the witch, which was really good. But I don't yeah. think she's been a lead in something like when after since she's been big. Mm-hmm. Um, like to me, she's an A lister. I would say she's like a very high B list at this point. Yeah. Um, because I think they still needed Ray Fines. They felt in the marketing for this one to push it. Mm-hmm. But I think in a year or so she'll be full because I think that Queen's Gambit did a lot like. A lot of um, older people, I think, watch Queen's Gambit and, like, they know who she is from that. Yeah. So I think that got a lot of people in that aren't just, like, film Twitter fans. Like, a lot of people know her now from that show, which was a very wide audience. So I'm excited that she's getting bigger and more uh, acclaimed because she's she's really good. Yeah. And she's really good in this movie, too. Yeah. I'm very interested to see how she does in the Furiosa sequel Mm, i i would not have picked her for that so i think it's going to be a little bit of a hard sell for me but i'm i'm open to being surprised we'll see yeah 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 you know proved us wrong before uh emma i guess she was the lead in emma wasn't like huge but she was the lead in emma yeah but i'm just excited for her appearance in the mario movie you know alongside legendary voice actor chris pratt exactly Uh, so i think that maybe that will be her big a-list jump is the mario movie yeah that'll do it kayla what is this movie the people we hate at the wedding because you put this on here and i have never heard of this it's an amazon prime movie ah okay like they an original like they have like the amazon prime pop-up book when they go into it do they still do that where it's like the pop-up book intro um you know what i'm I, talking about like i don't amazon studios and they pop up and it's like zooms into the pop-up book never like their intro. seen that before in my life i feel like if i sent it to you i feel like i'm really doing a really bad job describing it but anyway amazon made it is what you're saying yes um okay, cool. starring Kristen bell oh. ben platt like it's got some bigger okay. people in it allison janney okay it w- was really bad um oh, damn okay <laughs> It's kind of funny that I, this is one that I was not planning on watching by any Mm. means, but I was doing like going through all the clothes in my closet and Mm. like sorting through stuff because I was pulling out my winter like layers and sweaters and stuff and putting away summer e-clothes and so I needed something to put on that wasn't, like, something I needed to invest too much time or energy into, but something that I could just have on in the background and kind of watch. Mm. And I was like, yeah. hmm, this seems like the perfect movie. Um, it felt very much, like, the concept was fine, and I actually think if it was written better, it might have done better. Like, it would have mm. been one that people would talk about more. But it felt very, like, pre-2010, Oh, yeah. Like, it felt like something that was not made in, like, it it blows my mind that it was made now and written now because it, like, literally feels like one of those kind of shoddy romance, like, Mm. amalgamation of multiple people's storylines kind of thing. Like, it's a dysfunctional family, the sisters getting married, the 
other kids, like, and their mom had a falling out. They're all selfish, entitled, blah, 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 blah. And so it's sort of like it's got a few decent moments in it. But there's also some just really, really, uh, like, weird stuff that I can't (laughs) believe the jokes, like, were, like, someone read the script and thought, yeah, that'll fly in 2022. This is a great joke for this movie, And people that are in it that are, like, it's just funny to me that, like, Kristen Bell, um is in this because i feel like she's the best example of how this movie is is because Mm. like you know she wrote that like purple people book or whatever right of course i remember i'm a progressive liberal i'm a progressive landlord guys that's basically (laughs) how this whole movie is is it's Mm. like these jokes that are like why are you making this joke but you know that they're like patting themselves on the back for whatever joke it is they're making yeah and it had some of the, like, worst needle drops I have ever heard in my life. None we like, can they add were using for the secondhand film awards on TikTok like Man. three years ago. That they were like, oh. "Oh my gosh, we need to get the rights to this song that everybody <clears throat> likes." But then it like, obviously, did, like now no one likes that song. Yeah, of course. It's like an old news song. Uh, um, so just the whole thing was mega mega mess but i think if huh? this had come out like <laughs> i don't know like maybe 15 years ago people would have liked it and maybe it would be yeah. one that people would kind of be like oh yeah remember that um movie but the funny thing is the people who wrote this are on the writing team for deadpool 3 oh no oh so that's two a, of a, the women who wrote this film uh, are on are part of the writing team for Deadpool three. So I mean, maybe I it will like, be better because I don't really like the first two. So maybe the writing team is better now. I don't know. Uh, uh, <laughs> I feel from like one this, writing, at least one give us a good idea of what team to the other. three might be like if it's written by these people and what you know, they think is funny. It, is it two women? Two women, yes. It was well, it was written by three two two women and and a dude wrote it. And and the two women are the ones that are on Dead Deadpool three, and also an untitled Twenty One Jump Street spinoff. All right, I'll just blow through these two quick because I don't have anything really to say about them. Um, she said, uh, "Not like obviously the subject matter is like really important, so this is all basically just like the um, about the merits of like the film itself." I thought it was really boring. Um, and I really like journalism movies usually, but I just thought the way that they approach this one was really not n- just a very, like one of the more un- uninteresting ways they could have approached it. It felt like it would have been better as just like a documentary where they were actually interviewing the lead, um, reporters. Cause it was based, it's based on a book. So I would have rather just had them do it. And also the fact that the, one of the reporters is like now like writing all this anti-trans stuff which is also great. So that was a a little bit of a, put a a little bit of a sour taste in the left in my mouth while I was watching this movie. But I mean, I think the, there was a couple good scenes, I guess. And like, there was interesting parts. It just was a very boring way of telling the story. I think Um, triangle of sadness was very up and down. One of the other ones, it's like a social commentary on rich people. 
Uh, I can see why it won the Palm Door because it's pretty bold in some places. Like it's it does a, trying to do a lot of different styles. The second act is basically a really um, physical, a lot of physical comedy, I guess, in the second act, and then the third act it feels completely different. So they're they're doing a lot of different things, and it's going in a lot of different directions. I know a lot of people like the second act. That was my least favorite act, so I like wish that one was shorter and it was just more focused towards the latter half of what was going on in the story because it just is a lot of things going on in the movie and the second half really drags when they're on the boat and I liked it better in the third act when they were stranded on the island because it, I think, got more into what the movie was trying to say than just like the broad comedy of just like everyone throwing up all over each other which is funny for like 20 seconds and then it went on for like 15 minutes and i was like all right i get the gag they are seasick and i wanted just to move on but i think it was still interesting an interesting movie to watch and it's really sad that um uh charl b dean creek i think is how you would pronounce her name um it's sad that she passed away like right as at, before this movie came out oh wow because um, i think she was really good in it Aww. and that was also a little sad watching it because like she i thought she was like one of the best her and then the like her boyfriend i thought were both really good and there were some good performances in the movie but as it just was trying to do too much i guess is what i would say yeah um, i've heard but, i've heard very polarizing things about that one yeah, and I think, like I said, it's it's worth a watch. And the the crowd I w- watched it with loved it. Like, they were dying laughing, which was al- is always fun. It just was like I wasn't laughing as hard. But yeah, yeah. It was still fun to see everyone else having a good time, I guess. Mm. Do we want to talk about Bones and All now? The, the most romantic movie of the year, perhaps? This, honestly, might be the movie on this list that I'm most excited to talk about, which I was not it's- expecting. And it's great. It was a great movie. I thought it was fun. Yeah, I really, really liked it. Um, I have not seen um, Call Me By Your Name, which this mm. director also did, but I have seen some of the Suspiria. It's not technically a remake because it's so different. Yeah, it is um, very different. Yeah. I, I did not like that at all, what I saw mm. of it. So I He's did- a very interesting director like he really goes for whatever he wants to go for yeah yeah so going into it i wasn't really sure what to expect and it was incredible to me how many people walked out of this movie when i went to go see it i've never yeah about 10 minutes in which without spoilers that's when something kind of shocking happens yeah Yeah, that tracks yeah Uh maybe like four or five people left and then they just kept going and there were i think three or four people left by the time wow. the movie was over, which that's insane. If I think if you were just going to see it because you knew Timothy Chalamet was in it, mm. I could see how you would be a little a little put off. <laughs> I I could understand that, but yeah, I loved it. I really really liked yeah. it. Um, there were definitely some parts that were you know a little uh, a little uh, nasty, but yeah, way tamer than board. I thought it would yeah. be honestly yeah i think they i was expect like that's why it's funny i think that people walked out because i i was expecting it to be a little bit more shock yeah but i think because it's a lot of it is grounded in their relationship like it feels less if i it feels less like of a body horror because you're not really focusing on that aspect you're focusing more on like the what the context of like the grossness is happening in like what right. is happening in their story for those of you who don't know this is the timothy chalamet and jordan taylor that's her name i think right i think jordan taylor is her name 
That sounds right. Taylor Russell. I okay. got the last name and I kind of switched it. Um, it's their, um, I guess, two-hander, um, like, teen coming-of-age romance, but with a twist because they're cannibals. And it's like the road trip across the country. I won't, like, say what they're doing, like, in the road trip, but they go across the mostly the Midwest and they're kind of, like, figuring things out and you meet people along the way. And, yeah, it's basically a road trip movie and uh, also, like I said, like, a coming-of-age romance. Yeah, I thought it was really effective um a very slow start i think the first like half an hour i was like all right ready for 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 things to start happening like timothy chalamet doesn't show up and think until like a half an hour in um but it is it gives you a lot of important stuff in the beginning and i only had one other person in my theater it was like a 55 year old woman i would say and she stayed the whole time she me and her just were rocking through that thing (laughs) And we we shared a, a bonding experience um, across across the aisle. I didn't really Aww. talk to her, but it That's was like so a kinesthetic funny. thing. Just Good for we were, her. Yeah, she was really having a great time. She was like clicking her heel a lot towards the end, and her like shoelace was like making a la- a really annoying clicking noise. So oh. that wasn't great. But she stayed. She she made it through the movie, which I was proud of her for. Um, I thought it was uh like a lot more emotionally affecting than I expected. Yeah. And I really liked the, I don't know, the many different things that you can parallel to their situation, like their cannibalism, I guess. And like, mm-hmm. you can, you can really relate that to so many different things oh, yeah. um, that a person could be experiencing and like the tra- trauma, people bonding over two similar traumas that are going on in their lives um, and just like a coming of age story in general. And I really loved just the way they brought it all together at the end and how they, I don't know, they tied it up. And the score was amazing. Like, it was an incredible score. Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, I think, did it. I had no idea, would never have guessed. And when I got home, I was like, oh, I wonder who did that score. And I looked it up and I was like, oh, it was the boys. Yes. I I looked it up as I was walking out of the theater. I'm like, man, I want to listen to that score. I wonder who did it. And I saw their names like, of course. Of course. Of course it was. Yeah. 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 Um, I think anytime, because I've, the movie that I thought of, I think, immediately was, I don't know if y'all have seen uh, Raw, the French horror movie Oh, yeah, Raw. uh-huh. The yeah, great double feature, yeah. I, it might be a lot for a double feature, but they're definitely <laughs> <laughs> they're definitely very similar. Um, yeah. But I think I was expecting something a little bit more like that. Definitely. And I really appreciated, I, I don't know how, I don't want to give anything away with the mm. way that I word this, but I thought the characters were treated so compassionately. And I wasn't exactly, I was not expecting that. So I really, really appreciated that. I thought that was very sweet. Yeah, I I love they took it themselves so seriously that it worked. Like, I think they they could have played it so much easier for like shock value or Mm -hmm. laughs even. Yeah. And I love how I think like initially that's what it was. Like it catches you so off guard in that initial 10 minutes. Oh, yeah. Um, And this is something that I think a lot of people think like to talk about with like the Daniels movies. They think this is like, this is like their thing where like they'll do this outrage, have this outrageous thing in a movie. And at first it will be very funny and silly, but then as it goes on, it develops more meaning mm-hmm. and then it becomes something that has meaning to you. I don't really think that it works in those movies for me as much, but this, I really felt that where you have that, which I, it's like the, the journey that I think they wanted to put you on is, it is a lot more shocking in the beginning when you're not used to it, I guess. But yeah. they treat them with such like compassion, like you said, 
and they treat the story with so much respect that I think over time you really warm to the characters and like they just you just want the best for them really yeah. which is really great I loved how he did that I also was so I mean I wasn't impressed because I wouldn't expect less of him but Mark Rylance in this movie oh my gosh it was so good so so good he's, I loved his performance so scary like, yeah and at first I was like I thought he was just gonna be like a one-off mm-hmm. in the beginning Same. And I was like, mm, I don't know if like we really needed that like 20 minutes with Mark Rylance. But I love how they keep bringing him back as the movie goes on and like reminding you of his presence. And it's like a really subtle, great villain performance, I think. Um, and I would love to watch it again and like try to dive into more like the the meaning more behind his character even. Which I'm assuming there's a ton of par- things you can draw because like... I don't, I don't want to give anything away, like, but he's a very, um, layered character. And so I think that that has a lot of stuff you could definitely peel back and like dive into with his character as well. Um, yeah, I loved it. I liked it much more than call me by your name. I'm not a big call me by your name fan. As some people may know, this romance works much better because they are both um, within like about four years of each other instead of like age, instead of like 15 years. So it's a it's a much better fit, um, and I just thought like lastly it was just a great portrait of the Midwest too, like how they went to mm. all these states, and it really like I don't know was just a fantastic setting for the movie, because there was so many states they were going through, but it at the same time there was so much similarity between what we were seeing, and I thought it really was a great like visual image of how their lives were feeling at that point in time. Like, yeah, I, I, I don't know that cycle. I've seen another movie that feels American in this way. It was mm, just a, yeah, there was just a very specific feeling that I got from it that I've, I've not had in any other movie. I thought it was really, really cool. Yeah, the, I would say the, the Venn diagram of people that like this movie and that like the Phoebe Bridgers song, I Know the End is a circle. That would be the, the Venn diagram for those two. <laughs> Um, cause they That's get the same so exact true. vibes. Oh, same exact man. vibes. Yeah. 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 Correct. I, I'm just, I, yeah, it was very modern feeling to me too. And I just liked how, I don't know. It felt like a very, very much a movie for 2022, but not mm-hmm. in the way that it's about like, I don't know, relevant political topics. Like it just felt right. very of the moment. Um, yeah, I mean, that's all I have. For, I would just definitely recommend people checking it out it's been in more theaters than i expected them to put it in so if it's in a theater by you go and go and watch it see how many people walk out of your theater exactly exactly um kayla what are these two others you have here that you wrote down Um, i've heard of one of these movies yeah so one uh rosalind is a hulu original okay um it's a sort of retelling ish of Romeo and Juliet starring Caitlin Dever and Minnie Driver like Sean Teal there's some other random people in it it's not is it kind of like a modernization of Shakespeare well kind of the way it's told it's still like not set it's not set in the present like it's set as a period piece but it's more of a modern like one of those Mm -hmm. i guess basically Uh like 
she's in love with Romeo and then Romeo is like a tool and he says the same thing to her cousin Juliet and so she's gonna like ruin their new romance and then she meets this other guy Mm. and she ends up being with him obviously but it's this kind of whole I don't know. There were some uh, all right moments, okay. but it was not. That's kind of interesting. It wasn't. This good. is the same director that did Yes God Yes, which we both liked. Oh, yes. interesting. And that movie was a lot better than that movie were... was a vibe. Um, okay. Nice seventy-eight yeah. minutes. I remember. Man, great. That was a great, great movie. Yeah, this um, one was short. It was fine. I wouldn't really necessarily recommend it. Okay. But it, you know, I figured I'd bring it up yeah. since it was Shout a new out. movie that yeah. came out on streaming this fall yeah um, there's so there's so many like streaming only movies i feel like that are going more even more under the radar now now that there's also theaters are pretty much very regularly releasing movies as well yeah but i feel like the the um pace that was established in 2020 for streaming releases really hasn't slowed but this they don't have as many, much marketing push for those movies so there's so much still coming out that like I haven't even like I've never heard of that movie until now. So really interesting. Mm-hmm. So then the other one that I watched is My Father's Dragon, um, which is one I've been talking about for mm. a, a bit because um, yeah. I love the children's book and um, Jacob Tremblay voiced the main character and it was a Netflix animation and then it kind of just like the marketing was really bad so if you didn't already mm. know about this movie i don't yeah. think anyone knew found out about it yeah i'd never heard of this it's, oh man i love that animation studio yeah, i definitely want to watch this Saloon, who did yeah, yeah Walker's is, song of the sea i'm surprised they didn't like because wolf walkers was such a big thing yeah like, yeah and it, it was good i think it lacked some of the charm that mm. like some of the other movies from the studio has uh but like i think it was a little more kid focused yeah that i can see that from like the poster yeah great cast though wow like this is a big cast that they got for this one too yeah i don't know if that was a netflix animation thing that affected the kind of trajectory of the audience i don't know a lot of questions um but it was cute uh, the animation was definitely, like, you could tell it was a little bit different um, than normal animation styles since it's kind of that 2D animation style. Um, mm. So I thought it was good. I was pleased with it. Um, I I wish I had liked it a little bit more, but I wasn't, like, disappointed by it, for one that I was yeah. have been looking forward to for a while. Yeah, it, it seems, like, from the poster, very, like, uh, um, like, tier two Netflix animated movies you know Mm, i feel like there's like one two three this feels like a very solid tier two where it's not like over the moon um but it's also not um like what's the one the the one you just literally just watched with the the santa and delivering the letters like klaus i love that like that's like high tier netflix so i feel like they have multiple tiers of their animated movies that they do yeah yeah klaus is great though definitely like we talk about there's not a lot of christmas classics i feel like that's a christmas classic um one of the newer ones all right let's move on then to 
a little bit of Oscars talk, early Oscars talk, because I don't think they're doing it till March again, which is always annoying. Make the Oscars earlier, for the love of God, please. Um, but these ones are getting a lot of Oscar buzz, I think. Um, and we'll see, I guess, what what they get nominated for, but I think they'll definitely get nominated for something. Moving into some of these Oscar movies, these are ones that people have been talking about uh, with the Oscars, so I, we're not sure like what they'll get nominated for, but I think there's a few definite locks in some of these movies. So, Tar, Caroline, you watch this? I watched it about four hours ago. Very Perfect. recently. Wow. Yes. <laughs> wow. Fresh thoughts. Yes. I love it. Um, this one, I mean, the main one is Kate Blanchett, um, for best actress. I think that's like the one most people are talking about, but I feel like it has a chance in a lot of the categories. So, um, yeah. What did you think about the, the hottest talked about film of the year? Uh, it's a head scratcher. Um, I liked it. Mm. I think I need to see it again. And I feel like there's a yes. lot that I don't know. Um, yeah. It's the most NPR movie I've ever seen. And I I don't yeah. know how else just, to describe it. Even the look it. of it. Oh, yeah. Like it, like, it looks like NPR produced it. Yeah. Well, and doesn't it open with, like, a New Yorker, a fake New Yorker interview? Which, yeah. So, like, that just sets it up right there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a weird one. I think I have only seen it once. I w- definitely want to watch it again. I, I I I listened to a podcast um, that they talked about it and they're they were just a lot smarter than me and so I think they talk a lot of the things they talked about were just like oh yeah that that was how that was and like there's just so much that happens in the movie that I feel like I forgot by the time I got to the end not in a bad way just but the pace of the movie is so stretched out yeah that it's like you kind of get just sucked into whatever's happening and it just like. At, at the further you go in the movie the harder it is to kind of keep track of like all the stuff that's happened yeah and definitely all the little details that are very important but i think i thought it was just like a really interesting movie and i just liked have watching a movie that like didn't feel completely like constructed to make me love it the first time i saw it i guess and like make everything crystal clear what it was about. I really liked the kind of messiness of it a little bit and that mm-hmm. it wasn't like a, it's not a perfect movie, but there's just so many interesting pieces of it. And I like thinking about all of those things. And I think the ending is so funny. Um, and I thought, I don't know the, like the final shot was great. And Kate Blanchett is incredible too. Like, so I really like just watching her as well. Yeah. I don't know if I would say it's the best role that I've seen her in mm. performance wise in in a typical sense because she does a lot in this movie she's speaking multiple yeah. languages she's playing instruments she's conducting like a real conductor like she's doing so much stuff mm. i wouldn't say the performance was like a standout like i didn't walk mm. away from it like oh man like she really sold me on it but i think she did really well i think everyone you know did very well um, but yeah, there is, there's definitely a lot going on. Um, and there, there were just a lot of things that I didn't, they didn't feel out of place, but I didn't really know why they were there. Um, mm-hmm. I yeah. can, I can definitely see this being an Oscar movie. It's one of those movies that I think could potentially do very well at the Oscars and no one will go to see it afterwards, Yeah, uh, exactly. which is understandable. Yeah. I can see why a lot of people wouldn't like this. I, I get it, but yeah, I'll be interested to see how it does. Yeah. We'll definitely get uh, the Juilliard scene will be the Oscar clip 
that they show. Oh um, man, that arc. was that was fascinating. That that, was, that might scene, have been one of my was, favorite scenes. That was my favorite. Yeah, and it happens so early on, so yeah. it's a little sometimes disappointing. Where it's like, man, I wish just we were watching that scene again. But it it's one of like the best directed scenes I've seen of the of the year. I just love how the camera moves in the room and like same thing I said, how it's not very cut and dry. Like it's just an observation of a very typical lecture probably that you would find that this kind of person would give at a, at a school. And it's not trying to like make you think one thing about any, any of it. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what the movie is. It's just like showing you her actions and letting you decide like, I don't know if she's a good or bad person a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. And it she's not a good person so there's (laughs) yeah um but it's it's an it's interesting how it like leads you down that path i guess like as the movie goes further like wow she really is just awful like Mm -hmm. as the movie goes further and further yeah i would recommend i think it's it's definitely don't go in like expecting like a perfect beginning middle end like satisfying work of film it's very like it's very messy but sometimes i think in a good way like i think it feels almost like a, like a piece of music, like they would. Oh perform. yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, I hate to say this, but I think if I had watched it at home, not knowing what I was getting into, I might have turned it off. I think watching it in a theater helped me a lot because yeah. I didn't have anywhere to go. <laughs> no, a hundred percent. Yeah. And I love the how they open with the. Sorry, this is kind of it's not really it's like the first thing you see, but they open with the credits, but yes. not the actors. It's like the all the ending credits which i think was like it's one of the really smart choices this movie makes in centering the behind the scenes um professionals that worked on this movie because that's a lot what it's about is like how we um exalt the people at the very front of art Mm -hmm. but we don't really ever think or talk about a lot of the people that are working behind the scenes in the small quote-unquote smaller roles so i thought Mm -hmm. That from the very beginning, I was like, okay, this is like a very smart movie. Like mm-hmm. they definitely know what they're doing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I thought it was just really interesting. Uh, and I don't know if many people will like it, but I'm glad I got to see it. I guess. Yeah. Uh, the Bansies of In In A lot of people have been talking about this. I didn't like it as much as most most people have been saying. I thought it was pretty good. It is a little bit inconclusive, which. It's kind of a theme for movies this year. I feel like a lot of them have felt a little bit inconclusive, which sometimes is a good thing. Sometimes is a bad thing. Mm. Um, but I thought Colin Firth's performance was excellent. Um, like, really, really good. I think, like, he, with this movie, became one of my favorite actors, I think. Because, like, I've seen wow. a lot of things by him, obviously. But, like, I think I've just never seen him play this kind of role, mm-hmm. I guess, where it's really, there's no cynicism behind his character um and i thought that was just really interesting to see him play that role uh especially after we just saw him do like the penguin and that is like a complete 180 on what he's doing here and i think it was very interesting to watch as like a fable looking at it through that lens it similar to the menu is very heightened reality so there's a lot of things you kind of have to suspend your disbelief for but i thought it was at least very enjoyable and really funny too like it was one of the funnier movies i've seen of the year which i wasn't expecting i guess from a movie that like looks very um oscar Beatty and self-serious from the posters like two men looking off into the distance but it is very funny it was a very funny movie and so i think uh, if you i would recommend it to most people i think because it i think is very crowd pleasing 
Is it the same director who did in Bruges? Uh, uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Same director and then the same two leads, obviously. So yes. a lot of people like, you know, comparing those two. Okay. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. I thought, and the music again was very good. So. Nice. Kayla, Wendell and Wild. Is this this Henry Selick? That's how you say his name, It right? is. This is that yes. one? All right. Cool. You were looking forward to this one. I was. Or- um, It was a little disappointing. I think mm. it should have gone through some script revisions. Uh. I think it just was maybe a little too scattered or like could have been a little more refined. Mm. Um, maybe trimmed. I mean, it's it was kind of short, like 107 minutes, but I think it could have probably lost a few minutes. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I mean, obviously everything he does is good. You know, yeah, right. like it it looks amazing. There's some really cool sequences within the world. Um, the voice actors all did very good. Obviously, Keegan-Michael Key and Jordan Peele. I do think it's hard at this point, though, where their voices are so branded that it's kind of like, right. you know, it's them. And, yeah. you know, uh-huh. the characters are them. And like, it's kind of like, how many times can we do this? Right. Like, do the we same keep bit. Doing yeah, this? Um, definitely. But. That doesn't mean it's not funny or it doesn't mm. work, uh, but I do think um, the the lead um, kid is was very good. Um, mm. Lyric Ross, super talented, um, and I think like overall I was pretty happy with it. I I wanted to really really love it, and I don't think I really really loved it. But I did enjoy it. Um, so I wasn't mm. like super disappointed. I don't know how much this will get Oscars buzz. I, like, I mean, I think it probably will because it's him. That's about what I feel like. like what other movie. animated movies would it be up against? I'm trying to remember what else we've gotten this year. Pinocchio. Turning Red. Oh, yeah. Okay. Turning Red. Pinocchio. The Bad Guys. Yeah, the bad guys. Yep, that's definitely. The, I don't know about Strange Worlds because we that's just came out and we aren't talking about it in this one because none of us have seen it and it looks like no one else really saw it either. So I really don't know if that one will get nominated, but um, I think those four will get nominated. I don't know if Marcel it gets included in the animation oh, category. Yeah. Also, mm. the new Puss in Boots. And then we have... Um, like I said, the bad guys I think is probably gonna be one of the leaders. And then Lightyear came out this year, which oh, that's right, was not good and didn't get a lot of critical acclaim. But that doesn't mean that it's not gonna hit the Oscars because it's Disney. So I think yeah. it'll be a competition between that and Turning Red. If it were what I think it's gonna be, I think it'll be Pinocchio, Turning Red, Bad Guys. Marcel and probably Puss in Boots because yeah, Puss I've in heard Boots is getting very, a lot of uh, I've heard a, a very very praise. high praise about the Puss in Boots animation. Mm. Um, but who knows? Who knows? I think I think it's possible Wendell and Wild edges in. I mean, it has the the studio power behind it, meaning like it's got Jordan Peele, it's got Henry Selick, like it's got these people who the who the academy loves so it's mm-hmm. kind of like mm-hmm. does that give it the edge i don't know we'll see who knows? i think i think it's not a lock though 
Mm-hmm. I okay. think that it doesn't have enough buzz to be a lock, but with the people tied to it, I think it's there, and I think it'll be shortlisted for sure, but I don't know if it'll be one of the five nominations. Yeah, It's, it's just, hard to say. They, there just was not much pr- buzz about it, like you said, even leading up. Like I feel like they are kind of dropped the ball a little bit with... Yeah. I feel like when you also press. have... Pinocchio and mm. Marcel, which are both stop motion as well. Yeah, true. I think it makes it more difficult to like. I would be surprised if we saw three stop motion movies yeah. in yeah. the animation category. I just don't see it happening. So I don't know, but I thought it was a cute watch. So if like this is one that people have been wanting to watch, or maybe they were like half interested, I think it's worth throwing on. Um, Because I do think it is very creative and there's a lot of fun things going on, but I do think there's some bits in it that are a little bit overkill. So Mm. there you go. Nice. Yeah, I agree with the key and peel thing for sure. Like it is getting a little bit (laughs) old at this point. Uh, Yeah. Remember when Kiko Michael Key was Jingle Jangle? Remember that one? (laughs) Jingle Jangle. That movie was that movie was trash. Really um, we did a whole bit. We did like a whole bit of that combined with the High School Musical, the musicals, the series. Remember? We did. We did. That was the most secondhand film critics thing we've ever done. I think. Um, <laughs> now we'll talk about the one of the my most looked forward to movies of the year when I went in to watch this. Um, I just I was thinking because there's so many movies that came out in the last few weeks and i've been seeing i feel like going to the theater like every other day at some points just like seeing there's so many new things and i was thinking like if i could only have seen one of these what would the movie which would i have picked like to see really early on and i would have i think picked the fablements because i think i've been really like looking forward to this since i heard about it a very he hasn't written steven spielberg hasn't written a movie in a very long time um and the trailers just hit you in the feels and I love this movie. I think at this point, it's my favorite of the year. I would say just edging out. Um, what was in there before? The Batman. Batman. Yeah, Batman. Oh, wow. There we go. Real cinephile over here. Lots of Paul um, Dano here. You know, I know. Paul to see Dan- it. I think I think that's what we've come to find. Yeah, I'm a sucker for Paul Dano. Um, <laughs> he's really good. I have him in our second in our short list of in supporting actor for both those movies right now. Mm. Wow. Um, just because, you know, he's such a great actor really one of the one of the best working today he honestly he was born to play a mid-century dad like just the the 50s yeah. 60s dad vibes that's him like oh shock son that's, that's him so funny. yeah that's um, so true yeah like it looks like he stepped onto set like in his day clothes like it just looks like he arrived and was like all right guys right. let's go that's just paul dano they just turn the camera on he's just like that yeah <laughs> Um, I thought it was very cute. I love it when Steven Spielberg makes movies. It's just always a great time. Um, Uh I hadn't seen a lot of his recent stuff. I think the last thing I'd seen before West Side Story, well, I guess Ready Player One was the last thing that he did before West Side Story, which I did see. I feel like he was in a very big downswing until West Side Story. And I feel like West Side Story in this one hopefully are going to start like maybe one final in his career, like one final big push, like another couple movies. Cause he, he goes through highs and lows Mm -hmm. and like the run of war horse and like the BFG 
in the I mean, I didn't really like Lincoln. So I mean, just like those kind of like the BFG is his worst movie. It is the that BFG. I did not finish that movie. I watched half that of it. Movie and I was sucks. Like, nope balls it's so <laughs> bad sorry steven how do um, how do y'all feel about uh adventures of tintin because i know I a love lot of people it. Fucking i know a lot of diehard best tintin fucking guys. animated movie of his and yeah it is in my top i'm pretty sure it's in my top four spielberg in my spielberg okay ranking let me yeah, double it's, check it's great. i like it interesting Sorry, i really got excited there because i love tintin <laughs> and i don't think enough people appreciate Tinder. I haven't I haven't seen it just because it's not the type of movie I'd normally go out of my way to see, but I've heard nothing but rave reviews about it. All right, let me tell you where Tintin ranks in my Spielberg <laughs> ranking. Please do, please do. At number one, I have Jurassic Park. At number two, Bad. I have Jaws. Yep. At number three, I have Tintin. And at number four, <laughs> I have Catch Me If You Can. <laughs> So wow, valid. the tin, the tin. I love the Tintin um, following wild card there because it was Park pretty. Yeah, so far I was pretty basic. I was like, okay, maybe three is gonna be ET. Nope, Tintin. Nope, I, love it. I number Tintin five slaps. Hook. <laughs> number five is Hook. I love I don't Hook. Even know Hook if is I knew a great that you did that movie. That's Hook wild. is my Hook is my number five. ET is six. Hook is good. I think Hook is a good movie, but and BFG's at the bottom. BFG right at the bottom <laughs> of the list of 36 films. Yeah, I'm hoping this will start like a new upswing because I think West Side Story was the first one I watched in a while by him. I was like, okay, this feels like it feels I don't know, like, like a movie, a you know? Control. Yeah, this feels this real, movie, not like Ready Player One where like it's a movie. VR experience. Yeah. Um, it like is he? How many more movies is he making? Is he so like, his IMDb says that he's working on. Because he's um, not super old. Like, he's only, like, I think se- in his 70s, mid-70s. 75. But yeah. I'm just curious that if, like, this is his, you know, his, his, yeah. his movie. His magnum opus. Mm-hmm. This yeah. is right. it. Then, like, ooh, how many, like, is he, like, I just, I'm curious how. Judging from this film and what I have learned about Steven Spielberg watching The Fablemans, I think he will make movies until he is dead. Um, cause I feel like, I feel like he's just, I don't know. Like he is just never not creating. I feel like, and like he's working on this movie, writing this movie while he's in post-production for West Side Story. He famously did like Jurassic Park and Schindler's List in the same year. Like, I feel like that is just, he will, I, I have a feeling like maybe his role will decrease more. Maybe he'll go after this. Maybe he'll like writing more and take more of like a writing role. But I feel like he is just someone who will direct till they die. Basically. I think he has at least two more like good movies in him. I would say at least. Um, yeah. Cause I don't know like w- the magnitude or the scale that he would go for those. Like, yeah. If he would go sure. s- like, cause obviously something like ready player one takes longer than something like this movie. Um, just in post-production wise. Yeah, but, definitely. Uh, this just got me really excited about just Steven Spielberg in general, this movie. I think it, helps me understand so much of his other filmography um and just like where he's coming from in a lot of those movies it with like all of the family drama aspects the divorce aspects and even like the um i don't know like the technological advancement stuff because like you have his dad who's this engineer and his mom who's a very 
um, creative like person. So you have like those two aspects of him that I think really you can see in all of his movies where you have the very sentimental side, but also the technical side where he's like doing all these cool things. There's a thing part in this movie where he comes up with like a way to make the film look different. I'm not going to say what it is because I think it's kind of a fun reveal. Yeah. But like there's like a thing that he does to the film that like he just figures out how to make the movie look a certain way with the limited resources he has. And I think that's like another thing that I just liked seeing portrayed in this film is like his ability to, um, I don't know, just make dreams come true, I guess is what (laughs) it really is. And I liked how the movie was less about him learning how to make a movie like it basically starts off with him just already being a, being like the best movie filmmaker in the world. Like it doesn't like have him show him learning like how to set up a shot and how to I don't know like uh, focus a camera. Like it just starts him off like with that knowledge, like which is fine. Mm-hmm. But it's more about him learning of what film and cinema can do, you know, and like the things that it is capable of um and the power of it even like the power of it for bad like i guess like the how um i don't know like the power that it does hold and i think that was a really interesting way too to show the movie because i think they could have easily fallen into like i don't know a more like technical thing but i liked how it was more just about him discovering what movies can do for people and like how they can bring people together but also like show things on screen that people might not want to see themselves in a mm-hmm. lot of times. So yeah. I thought it was just, a, I loved it. I thought it was so good. Yeah. I love, I love movies about movies. I always have a good time with that. I thought all of the performances were great. Michelle Williams, mm. especially I thought was very good. Yeah. Also Seth Rogen was there. Seth Rogen was just playing Seth Rogen, and I was like, cool, you're for it, yes. Yeah, I wasn't really sure how I felt about that, but, you know, happy happy that he was there, I guess. I didn't know he was in it, and he just showed up at the dinner table. I was like, oh, Seth Rogen, hello. (laughs) Exactly, exactly, yeah. Um, Back to what you were saying earlier about this helping you to understand his filmography. I, I think in general, like, it helped me to understand how good he was at being an inventor and, like, an imaginer, but... There was an interview that he did about this movie where someone asked him um, if it was intentional in his movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind, where I don't know if y'all have seen that, where communication is done through technology and music. And if he did that intentionally as a way of like portraying Mm. what he got from his parents, which I don't know if I would have thought of that if I hadn't seen that interview, but I thought that was fascinating because that is just, I think both of his parents are just so clear in who he is Mm. um and i think we all kind of benefit from it like i i think he's just done so much and i think he got that from both of them which i all i appreciated that he didn't really he showed them both with their faults but he didn't make either of them a villain in the story which i thought was really good i think he portrayed his parents in a a very mature and a very compassionate way yeah, it was like it was a really interesting portrayal of like a uh, coming of age, but in relation to like your parents, I guess. So like yeah. learning that they're real people rather than like these magic beings that like you, you, they don't feel like real people, but then you learn that they have emotions and lives. And I thought that was just a really interesting way of showing the character going through that, but also the way that he portrayed his parents as like you said, like very real and human 
um, people with flaws, but also not like making the flaws like, oh, they're a terrible person and they abandoned me and I hate them, um, which I think it could have turned into that easily. But I thought that it was a really fun, a really, um, like you said, mature way of doing it. The other thing, I mean, there's you, you, I know you are a big David Lynch fan and there's a great David Lynch scene in this movie as well. For so if anyone is going to this movie and is, I don't know, waiting for a great cameo at the end, definitely keep watching because there's a great scene at the end. I, when I tell you, I forgot that this cameo was going to happen and I was experiencing in real time along with one of the characters getting to Mm -hmm. see this person and beautiful, incredible, the best thing he could have possibly done on film. Exactly what I would expect uh-huh yeah so it was it was a great perf- a great david lynch performance um i love like i don't know when he's just sitting there puffing the smoke and like you're waiting for him to talk and it's just like but it says so much about like his silence which is i think in his movies too like the lack of yeah. dialogue so it's interesting they were able to like capture that part of him in such a short scene i don't know i would say just a very heartwarming fun movie that I would recommend if you've seen if you've seen any of Steven Spielberg's movies, I think it would be just like a great it would it provides so much insight into those and I think made me like really excited to rewatch a lot of his movies and just think about them in that lens because I just feel like I know him more as a person now yeah. from watching this and I think that's such an interesting thing that most directors don't give you is like such an uh, a raw look into like their personal lives and like wh- how they were raised and how who what made them who they are and we yeah. don't get that a lot so and really i think i think from a lot of directors it would seem kind of self-indulgent yeah like i think mm-hmm. if you were to say for like if quentin tarantino made a movie like this i would absolutely not go see it yeah, yeah absolutely not um but i think Spielberg was able to make a movie about himself in a way that wasn't really about himself ultimately. Exactly. Yeah. It, it comes back to the movies, baby. It's all about the movies. Yeah, it's all about the movies. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think yeah, you're right. He he does it in such a way where he he it's almost more about like the just the family unit and what's going yeah. on around him as much. So, I think you're like there's so many other directors that this would be just one of the worst movies of all time like paul thomas anderson making a movie about himself would i would probably just not see it yeah i think he did a great job he did licorice pizza which was his childhood movie but it what didn't feature him and that's great so just i steven spielberg is one of the only directors who i want to see feature himself because he is just i don't know he's just such a sweet man hopefully that's what i would hope (laughs) Hopefully, seems, as far as we know, as far as we know, <laughs> do not come back to this clip if in three years and if something happens, please. This is 2022, uh, I November feel like at this 27th. Point, we would know, probably. And he's really pushing for that Oscar right now. He wants like, he it. Is, this is he the wants movie the Oscar. for it. He said, This is it. The movie about the movies. <laughs> yeah this is the he wants the he oscar that's real bad what we always joked about if you want an oscar you make a movie about the movies mm-hmm. that's how you yep. get it Ex- I, we'll see if uh that works as well for sam mendes with uh his his movie we'll see oh. if that if that works out for him but as far as this one i think this definitely has i think this is the front runner for best picture i would say 
And I would um, agree. Yeah. Yeah, I think it has a very good chance of winning at this point in time. We'll see if there's another coda thing that like sneaks up in the at the final run and takes over Bronco Henry's rightful place at the top of the Oscars. Um, we'll see. Things things can happen. Oscars can get pretty crazy. Yep. Well, now that we've recorded for ages, um, we're finally here. Like we to made move it. On to yeah, the big one. Yes, it's time. Let's go. It's time. It's time for Glass Onion, the the film that is out in theaters for one week only. <laughs> By the time, <laughs> By the this, time episode, this comes you're listening out, to this, you you'll missed have it. missed your opportunity. <laughs> so <see> sorry, guys. <laughs> Um, um, which is the dumbest fucking thing really Netflix so has ever done because yeah. they made like more money than Strange World did this weekend, this like week basically in the yeah. week it's released. They made more money than Strange World uh, supposedly because Netflix is not releasing box office. Classic numbers. Netflix. So we Classic. don't get to know the real numbers, but it is estimated to have made more money. It seems. Probably or around yeah. Strange World only have an opening in 600 theaters, which is insane. Yeah, um, I think that Netflix really dropped the ball. Um, I think they underestimated how many people love the first night. I out. don't understand that because it made so much money. Right. I know. I just think they they under because I so many people I talk to. Are like, oh my gosh, there's a new Knives Out sequel. I'm, I can't wait to watch it. Like, and that's I think they just did not understand how many people for months. Like, I yep. saw mm-hmm. it in January in theaters, and it came out in November. Like, yeah, I love just, it. I love that. It's great. It is so keep movies in theaters. Mind boggling to me. Um, that you know, I, I but this was it was a pain. I had to drive into DC to see it. Over an hour, one way, mm. and then Mine I was had an hour to away like as well. yeah. park in the mall parking garage and walk into the mall, and I had to pay <laughs> a ten dollar toll one way, ten dollar toll like, on the way back out. I like, feel like you should Venmo request Ryan for that. Yeah, Just yeah, twenty dollars. Uh, thank $20, you, Ryan. Here do you in... validate parking, Ryan? Ryan Johnson. Well, the parking was free, but I did pay twenty dollars <laughs> do in tolls, tolls to get yeah. to DC yeah. to see this movie. Like, I think you deserve it. I think I yeah. deserve the gas money and. <laughs> <laughs> well, you had a very popular Knives Out tweet that I'm assuming had at least one person go watch Knives Out, and so I think like exactly you, you, you I think you deserve the twenty dollars at this point. You've made him that. I think. Yeah. You know, I feel like, honestly, I, I have made so many people watch this movie, our Knives Out, I'm sure. Like, yeah. people who would not normally have watched it that know that I'm obsessed with Knives Out. Yeah. And so, like, I'm I'm branded by this movie. Mm. So I feel like I deserve some sort of compensation. Yeah. At you know the, how you can go on and, like, see what your carbon footprint is, those websites? <laughs> they, you need to do that, but, like, see what your Knives Out carbon footprint is. How yeah. far your reach is spread. Um, yes. Yeah. I agree. So, what did you think about this movie, Kayla? Your your most anticipated... Would you say this was your most anticipated movie of the year? Yeah, I would definitely say, say so. Yeah, I felt like it probably is, but I wanted to make sure. Yeah. Yeah, yep. and... I I did really really like it. I didn't rate it yet because I, I feel like I need to watch it again. Like yes, because yeah. there's just so much with like it took me multiple watches to give Knives Out five stars. 
um, because I think there's just so much in his writing and the way he films these that, like, you don't catch a lot of it. You're not going to get it all on the first watch. And so, like, the reason I love Knives Out so much is that as many times as I've seen it is there's something new I discover every time that I watch it. And so I'm able to kind of uncover things as it goes. And so I think it's hard to watch this once and be like, yes, it's like uh, the best. Because it's like there's just so much. <laughs> like the, like his whole thing yeah. is about layers in this movie and in general. And, but it's mm. like there's so much to his movies and so much thought that goes into it that I feel like I just one watch in a theater. Yes. It when you're yeah. trying to learn new information is not gonna give me all I need out of this movie. Yeah. I would yeah. love to have gone and seen it again in the theater. Yeah, um, Netflix. Come on, what are you doing? And I won't be Ugh. able to see it again until December, which is also just. December 23rd. Unbelievable to me that they would not just like run with the buzz on this. Like just so crazy. But anyway, I did really, really love it. Um, I went into it not knowing anything about it. So I yeah. watched the original teaser, which was like a 15 second just showed each of the characters that we already knew was in it. And then I didn't watch any trailers. So I watched no trailers. I read no synopses. All I knew was there was a murder dinner party. And that was it. And so I like went into this knowing nothing, which I think was the best possible way to do it because I appreciated getting to learn everything as I went yeah. and not know any kind of hadn't hadn't seen anything from it. Um, and then obviously saw it in a full theater, so you're getting the audience reaction as well, which I think has a lot of benefit to these movies in particular. Was it a completely full theater? Yeah, basically, I mean, like, there was definitely, like, the whole front section, obviously, like, the neck breaker seats. Yeah. Those were pretty much empty, like, there was a few people. But the whole, like, general theater was all full, um, and, like, there was maybe a couple seats here and there. But, like, it's the fullest theater I've been in in a while. Oh, um, nice. Okay. And yeah, it was full for me too, I would say. Yeah. And which was it was great a fairly see. decent audience. I think the audience could have been better, but like there was a lot of out loud laughs and a lot of audience moments, so hmm. Okay. Nice. Yeah, mine was nice. about the same. It wasn't completely full, but maybe like seventy percent. Yeah, I think the it was I thought a really good movie. Um and I th like you said, there's so it's so hard to judge these movies on one watch, particularly like mystery movies, because they have such an emphasis on plot. So I'm focusing even more on the plot than I usually am in a movie. And so I feel like they really benefited from a second watch because you get to see it. One, you get to see it like how it unfolds from the beginning when you know it's where it's going. So you get to, you get a much fuller picture of the story. And then you can also focus on those small little details and more on like the technical aspects um, which there are, I think this is like a very similar, I was worried that it would feel a little more watered down from the first one mm -hmm. um, for a couple, like it was Netflix for one and it's a sequel. So I just didn't know like how, I don't know, like it just worried. It was a little nervous just about that aspect of it, but I think it is almost like just as layered, I would say as the first one, which was great to see. And it feels like the script just has so much thought put into it. Like his scripts are so well-written mm -hmm. um, where they're, they're well-written in a way where they do work on a first watch. Like I think there's a lot of funny moments when I first saw it 
and a script makes sense and there was things I liked, but then it is like you said, Kayla, like when you watch it, you uncover more, but it's not one of those scripts where it takes you three watches, even just to get the initial layer. Like, I feel like I got the initial layer of the onion uh, from my first watch. And then as I watch it more, I'll just keep going down, peeling back the layers. That's exactly Um, how I feel. Yeah. I thought it was fun. It was such a fun movie. Yeah. I liked it a lot. It's, um, it's different to me from Knives Out in that Knives Out to me is a very comforting movie. It's just got, you know, it's got the fall vibes. So it's very different, um, to me from that. But I thought it was great. Um, the first... 20 or 30 minutes of it I was a little I wasn't really sure how I was going to feel about it because it's very contemporary and yeah, that very well very contemporary but like two years ago contemporary right so right. it's like yeah one of those yeah um so that I I wasn't really sold on but I, I definitely liked it a lot more as it went on yeah um I placed I placed a guess before I went in on the whodunit part of it and I was wrong which looking back I don't know why I didn't guess it sooner (laughs) um but I I went to go see it with a friend and they picked up on a lot of stuff that I missed so they Mm. pretty much knew from the beginning what happened which I was I was a little bit disappointed in myself for not getting it but um that's me in every movie though it's hard to every freaking movie I don't get any of the twists and I'll tell you like man I didn't see that twist coming at all and everyone's like I saw that like an hour ago I'm like well good for you all right I didn't see it coming so sorry I'm not as smart um, yeah, but it makes it more fun to watch. It's more fun to watch when you don't know the twist. I think so. yeah, the, same. Like the cast in this movie, like uh, his uh, his ensembles are just incredible. I just yeah, they're getting yeah. to like Wes Anderson level. Like they're just yeah, like I mean, so in well both movies, too. the way that he first of all rates the characters, but second of all i mean both ensembles are just bangers and they Mm -hmm. work so well together with the context of the movie like i couldn't see the people from the first movie being in this movie and i couldn't see the people from this movie being in the first movie but somehow it just like works perfectly uh Mm. in both movies i just i think he's a genius yeah i think think it's really interesting too how both movies like start as one movie and then they kind of shift halfway through but not in the same way yeah and i i was just so i was a little disappointed in myself for not seeing that where like the first movie did it too where it's like i think it's like this classic whodunit this regular like mystery movie and then it switches and like oh man now it's a completely different movie and it's less about the whodunit in the first movie and more um i'm not gonna i don't know like who how many people have seen the first movie probably most people but it just is you're not as focused on like the who killed who in that movie towards the end yeah and in this one like it's the same thing where like it starts one way and then there's a a turn in the middle and then it's a lot it's more of like a spy like thriller with thriller like in like lowercase letters um but I just love how he was able to do that twice, just in different ways. Like the themes, or not the themes, like the genre of the movie almost kind of shifts both times. And I didn't see it coming, even the second time. Like he did it again. And I was like, man, I thought this was just going to be another normal, another straightforward, but he switched it on me again. So good job. 
<laughs> you did it. <laughs> what were some of your favorite um performances out of like all of because there's so many great ones, but like Yeah, I mean mm-hmm. I don't want to spoil anything. Yeah, you don't have to say like um... but like <laughs> Hugh Grant. I loved Hugh Grant in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Hugh Grant always kills it whenever he's on screen. Doesn't matter how long. So I actually I texted Kayla about this before I went in because I was looking at the the cast list because I was trying to figure out who the murderer was going to be. Oh yeah. Um, and Ethan Hawke is uh, listed as efficient man, which I thought was very suspicious. I was oh I bet it's efficient man. I bet he did it. Um, I thought he was great in the two seconds that he was in this. He's so funny. <laughs> I, he yeah, looked like he I had a great he day great. on set. That yeah. cracked I bet me he up. He had a great time. Yeah. I loved um Dave Batista in this. Yeah, he yeah. was so funny. Yeah. yeah. I saw a tweet the other day that was like, who's the best WWE star turned actor? And it had like Dwayne, The Rock, Johnson, John Cena, and Dave Batista. And I was like, It's Dave. No, it's Dave Batista, no low key. Question. No Dave contest. Batista is like so good and he is like i i have thought he's good in other stuff he does like i think he has really funny beats in his other work but like i was so impressed by him in this like Mm. i could not get over how funny he was and how like startlingly well he played that role yeah um was just so wild to me and like you said, it is a very contemporary movie, but it was obviously written like it's set in 2020 and it was written in that time. Mm-hmm. And it's just really impressive how it's felt. A lot of people have mentioned this, but like it feels so specific to like even the last like two months uh, that we have been living through. Um, just like the certain people and public figures that are uh, that we are seeing right now. And it's just like his character like you said was just so well tuned to like the moment and felt like someone like he is a version of people of someone who does exist but it felt even more like a little like it was literally him Mm -hmm. and i think he played the role so well and he is able to um do different things too like it's not just like the dumb bro comedy that i think that you would expect like just carrying over from guardians of the galaxy like he does have a lot of depth to his performances too i think where you don't initially expect that maybe going in yeah yeah definitely yeah i think dave would probably have to be my favorite too i mean daniel craig like what is there to be said he's so good he's so so good he has so much fun too you can tell yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i don't know everyone in this movie is just so well cast that it's like they're just so good i think edward norton is really is really good yeah. I think yeah. he's really good at playing characters who you know like you don't like at all and are just like the worst, but also they're really hard like not to watch on screen, like and not to like just be drawn to cuz his presence is just so incredible. Um and I thought I don't know. Like the costume designer for this movie was also really good because like mm-hmm. his outfits were perfectly picked. Mm-hmm. Um as opposed to like the, like his just like t-shirts and flip flops and the t-shirts looked like a little bit like he'd worn been wearing them for like the last three days. I don't know. Like he was r- great. Um, and I thought that he was going to have a lesser role for some reason. I don't know why, but I just thought he was like not going to be as a main cast as he was. So I was really excited that 
he was in it for pretty much the whole time. Like, I just love watching him. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. I love Edward yeah, Norton. Yeah, Edward yeah. Norton, watch our Moonrise Kingdom video of us re- reenacting your greatest scene in cinema. Yes, I'm a big um, Edward Norton a big Edward Norton guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, wow. Oh, we should also talk about the score. That's something we can talk about without spoiling it. Because oh, I thought yeah, the score yeah, yeah. was really, really good. Yeah. And that's his cousin. His cousin, yeah. Yes. Nathan, yeah. who yeah. also did the Knives Out um, yep. score. Which is which, yeah, this, also yeah. incredible. I also found out when I was rewatching Knives Out the other day with Ryan's in theater commentary mm. um, that his other cousin, who is the composer's brother, does the paintings during the credits of all the cast, which I thought oh. was very cute. Oh, I'm assuming that's so that fun. he, yeah, I'm assuming he did that for Glass Onion. I know he did it for Knives Out, but I would assume it's yeah. I think the, same. the paintings were the same style, so yeah. I would assume that it yeah. was the same. Yeah, I thought that was really. Cute. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, I thought the music was really good and. Like, also, I know he always works with the same cinematographer, and, like, they have a very specific way of shooting where it is digital, but they do a really good job of making it look like it's on film, and I thought the look of the movie, some people were saying, like, oh, man, it has the Netflix look now. Like, I don't know what movie those people were watching, but they are definitely wrong. Um, And they get them so much out of their different locations, especially in this movie where there's, it's a lot different um, colors that are happening outdoors and indoors Mm -hmm. there were a couple times that i thought i was like wait this was shot on digital right yeah it looked so much like film emulated that i was like some of the outdoor scenes yeah they've talked about that in knives out a lot um Mm -hmm. with the like the way the light is in the background and windows and stuff gives a specific look and i just was like wait that was that's not film that's digital yep that's digital right Uh yeah yeah it's I loved it. I thought the technical stuff was just on the mark. Loved yeah. It. Yeah. I thought the cinematography was great. There were so many scenes where I was so struck by how good the lighting was. Mm. And mm. Um, it's not very often lately that I watch a movie where I'm like, this the style yes. they're going for with lighting specifically is so striking. Like there were so many yeah. shots where I was like, oh, that looks so good. It didn't have yes. to, but it looks so good. I feel like people just don't light movies anymore. Like they, yeah. their movies are so dark now. And it's like, I just want to see their faces. I'm paying to see the actors and I need you to light the scenes well enough. And like, especially there's that big set piece is, I guess it's his living room. It's a very big room, but I love the way that the light plays in there with all of the glass. And yes. it just is such a well, like you said, such a well-lit movie, even in the outdoor scenes, the, yeah. the way that the sun plays on the camera. Yeah. Those like little choices really elevated, I think, from being just like a fun mystery movie to just feeling like something that was really well crafted and they put a lot of time and effort into. Yeah. 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 I'm excited to watch it again. Like I can't come to Netflix fast enough. Come on. What are they doing? Yeah, I don't I feel like it should be like a two week two week or something, you know, like not a Yeah. Um, I yeah, it's just like month. I don't know. Because I feel like at that point everyone's gonna forget about it, like or spoil you can tell it. Your f- yeah, ex- mm. either one. Because yeah. that's one of the things that's like I would love to talk about some of the other stuff in it, but it's like I'm not gonna talk about it online even because it's like no, yeah, there, it was so limited that there's so many people that haven't seen it yet that it's like 
you can't spoil it. You can't talk about it because it's like yeah. uh, I just I don't Netflix will ne- I will never understand their decision making on anything. I know I've heard this. I've heard some people talk about how it's a cost thing and it wouldn't be worth it. I just can't believe that. There, there's no way. I just think they don't care. I just think that yeah. they do not care about theatrical release. Obviously, they do not care about making art. They only care about whatever the fuck they care about. I don't even know. They care about Bronco Henry, and for they that, care I about them. not letting people share accounts. They care yeah, that's about true. that's true. Uh, raising their prices. Yeah, and I think they also don't see a lot of Oscar stuff in this movie, which I think they could do a great push for screenplay, but they probably won't. But I think. Their movies that they like to push all have, like, big Oscar ambitions, I think. And I just don't think there's, like, a ton of Oscar ambitions for this because there's no ensemble category at the Oscars, and they don't usually nominate movies like this for Best Picture. So I think they just kind of consider anything that can get nominated for Oscars is just, like, part of their content. And that sucks. So, yeah. Do you think this this will get nominated at all? Maybe um, one or two things. I think more technical stuff. I think I could see this being... I know there's a lot of scores this year, but I could see this being on at least the short list for score. Yeah. We didn't also talk about the Fableman score, but that was also a score that I really want to see on... Very good, on yeah. A, uh, getting nominated. John Williams keeps killing it. Age 90. Oh, wait. Uh, you know. King. John. King. John. Um... That was a lot of movies we just we just talked about. And, you know, the thing about movies is that they just keep coming. There's more to come this year that um, I think, you know, we'll see how. But there's just more Oscar ones like we have. Um, you were you were shouting them out, Kayla. What were we were texting? Like, what are some of the Oscar ones that you think are still left? Oh, to come? shit. Um... Women talking. I remember. We oh, said. yes. Yes. Um, what was the other one I said? Oh, the whale. Mm-hmm. Is that think... this year? Is that December? Yes. December. Okay. I think that yeah. will be the other. I think that's the other big Oscar movie. Yeah. That besides, was sure. Like Babylon. But I don't think Babylon right now is getting I don't the buzz think... it needs. Yeah. I don't think Especially Babylon since, is going like, to be an Oscar movie. Yeah. I don't know. I just think it's not. I think it's going to flop. I just I think it's not going to fly. Um. But really, like, The Whale is the other big one. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe now the Tom Hanks movie, the... Oh, uh, The Man Called oh, Otto. Man called Otto. Yeah, yeah, The Man yeah. Called Uve. I like how they, like, they couldn't say, like, is Ove that much of, like, a weird name that they had to change it to Otto? Like, did they yeah, really need... Yeah, I, I don't know. Well, because it's already been made, so they were like, oh, we have to make the American mm. version. Of course, of course. Um, um, yeah, those are the main ones I would say. I don't think there's anything yeah. else that's really new that'll be in the Oscar talk besides those. Uh, w- w- uh, fuck, oh, what is, Avatar uh, Two! Come on, Avatar Two. Gotta get James Cameron in there. That will probably sweep technical. Um, it has to. White White Noise. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, I don't. I feel like White Noise isn't getting the the buzz that they wanted it to though. Because they I haven't like such a done any sell. marketing for it. They it's haven't such done. A I have literally the only thing I saw was the poster, and that's it. I've not. Yeah, seen I saw, any... and I see that like one still of Adam Driver standing there with his mouth open. Like that's <laughs> the only marketing I see for that movie. Um, yeah. So I think for that, our question of the week should be: What movies are coming out this year that you are excited for? Because I think there's still some ones like we mentioned a few just to still get very excited for. Like I know you said Babylon is gonna. I agree. I don't think it's gonna hit with the Oscar fan base. 
Um, but I think, I mean, I'm excited to see it still. And I, I am excited to see what he's been doing over the last four years. Cause first man was 2018. So like, it's been a long time. Um, so I just think there's still a lot of fun stuff to come and let us know which one you have been looking for. You are most looking forward to, um, on our social media, you can reach out to us, Spotify, um, email, there's everything in the show notes below. And we will read those answers in our next episode. We're going back to our holiday content. What Kayla, what is the episode we will be doing next week? We'll be making a Hallmark movie for the third year in a row. Um, so yeah, uh, what we're, what the format will be is we're going to come up with some scenarios, some different tropes that we think are in all Hallmark movies, like expository elements. And we're going to take, start from there and then just kind of figure out what we think the best Hallmark movie we can make with those elements are. So we'll like randomize some elements like and see like where the story will be set and everything and just we'll probably maybe even throw in maybe some comments about hallmark movies that you've been watching kayla because i know you've been watching a lot this year so we can probably kind of tail that tail dove that with maybe just the hallmark content that we are getting this year and see if maybe we can top that sure our our movie maybe we can we do better than they are doing can we do better than hallmark is doing i think so probably i think so i think we can get them um so yeah tune into that caroline do you have anything you want to plug uh or not you don't have to but i just do you have anything uh no i like anonymity uh stream glass onion what december yes. is that for christmas Please. or new year's christmas 23rd. christmas christmas yeah, stream glass onion let's go watch it with your fam watch it with your yes. family yes definitely watch it no with your elements um, that will that will Alt bring up Ray, the uh, <laughs> uncle. <laughs> Watch it with your Elon Musk loving cousin. Uh, so many people Joe that Joe Rogan will... and Elon Musk. <laughs> all your Andrew Tate heads out there. I think they will all be enjoying Glass Onion. Yeah, watch it with everyone. That's a great plug. All right. Well, thank you guys for having me as always. Yes, of course. Yeah, love it. It was great talking. Great time. All right. Thank you all for listening. And until next time, I'm Noah. And I'm Kayla. And I'm Caroline. And, <laughs> and we're, we're your second your hand, second hand film, film critics. critics. Heck yeah. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs>